0: Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of
1: Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter. With plenty of humor, heart and badassery along the way, we launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. I think everyone inherently knows, based on where they are in time, what they need to do to be better or be their best. You think just deep down we all know that? Yeah, I think you don't need anyone to tell you what you need to do to be your best and maximize your potential. I think if you're really passionate about something, you do the research, you learn what you need to learn, mm-hmm. you, you just get really curious about it, and then you listen to yourself, you listen to your body, and I just believe you can put a plan
0: in place. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former DON athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everybody. Hope you are excited because today we are being joined by an Olympian. We have an Olympian in our midst today. The incredible April Ross is here to talk about her pursuit of gold in Tokyo. Now, I love April. She is just the freaking coolest human being. I love her for many reasons. Here we go. She's an alum of USC, so, fellow Trojan, fight on baby. She won two national championships on the indoor women's volleyball team. Then she went on to be incredibly dominant in the sand. She's played in two Olympic games, won both a bronze and silver medal. And this summer in Tokyo, she is hungry for that gold. And oh my gosh, am I rooting for her? This woman works so hard. She holds her head so high and she's so inspirational. April and I recorded this episode a while ago, but I wanted to reshare it because it's one of my all-time favorites. I think there is something in this episode for everyone and pool play for the Olympic beach volleyball has just been announced. So the games are beginning and it's the perfect time to hear from one of the volleyball greats who is out there right now representing our country, working so hard to achieve her dream. I want to give a special shout out to volleyball fan 16 who left an anonymous review saying I'm obsessed. Real Pod makes me feel so empowered from what I've been through over the past few years and I relate to everything on such a deep level. I cannot get enough of this podcast. Well, volleyball fan 16 I wanted to shout you out today because we have such a special volleyball guest on the show. Thank you for listening and thank you for this kind review. Always love knowing the volleyball fam is close by and I'm excited for you to hear this episode today. If you have yet to rate and review the show, head over to iTunes and let me know what you're thinking. You just might be the shout out on next week's episode and also just taking a few seconds to review the show really means a lot and helps us so, so much. Thanks again to each and every one of you for tuning in today. You're in store for something great. Let's dive into a very intimate and inspiring conversation with one of the world's best athletes. Give it up for April Ross. Do you listen to podcasts? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, which ones? Um, Well, yours, of course. Oh, (laughs) you're so sweet. Um, I listen to a couple money ones. Like I listen to Jim Cramer and one called, Oh, Listen, Money Matters. That's a really good one for financial stuff. I I should
0: honestly start doing that.
1: It's one of my... (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, no, it's one of my big things. Like after I'm done with volleyball, I'm not sure what I want to do. And like one of the things I'm considering is potentially going back to school and getting like, A degree in financial planning just so I like I just want to help young especially female athletes Mm -hmm. like if I could go back 10 years the the number one thing I would tell myself is like okay yeah you're supposed to save 10 percent of whatever you make but then put like find a way to put another 10 percent into stocks and mutual funds and like start investing because if you do that when you're 23 Versus where I am, like 37, it's such a huge
0: difference. Yeah. And I'm sure with all of your experience, you know so much. So much you wish you could go back and tell yourself, right? So much. But, and that's one of of the first things I thought of asking you was if you, you've been doing super awesome with Alex. So congrats on that. And winning in Chicago. Is there some big difference in the way you're going to prepare for Tokyo that you didn't do maybe your first two quads? Because you're such, you're a veteran now. I mean, you yeah. know maybe what is or I, isn't the best thing to do.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much over the years. You know, my first attempt at qualifying was for Beijing and we missed out. We were the mm-hmm. like sixth team in the world, but the third American team. So we didn't get to go. So I was like heartbreaking. And I just remember sitting in Moscow where the last qualification tournament was and being like, OK, what can we do to not be here next time and so we like made all these changes and then how
0: soon after your loss are you thinking having those thoughts because that's painful immediately wow
1: well yeah (laughs) so I can picture it so clearly Jen we're sitting against a banner me and Jen and Jen's crying and I'm trying to because I'm I'm a reframer like I need to see the positive I need to find the silver lining like I can't sit and dwell on things like even losing it's like okay, how do we turn this into a positive? I'm not going to like be mad at myself. I don't find a lot of value in that. And so we're sitting there and she's really, really upset, you know, for good reason. And I'm just like, okay, uh, let's start listing things. Like how do we learn from this and, and get better for the next quad? And we literally like listed them out, then went and partied and then (laughs) got back to work and, did everything we said we were going to do and qualified the next time.
0: And I can only imagine that's so hard to do. It's hard enough for anyone playing in, like a sport at a, even the college level to to regroup for the next weekend. But it is now another four-year endeavor.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I just realized um, a little bit ago that since high school, I've lived my year, my, my life in four-year increments, mm. like high school, college, and then like trying to qualify for all these Olympics. It's like every four years And I kind of enjoy that because it's like short term, cram everything in, like maximize your days, your weeks. I've learned there's a cadence to it, too. You can't just like charge it for four years. Right. And um, so kind of like the year after the Olympics, Jen and I took it really seriously because we didn't qualify. So there were a lot of things we needed to change. But like after Rio, I kind of. Took a breath, took some trips, had some fun, played with a good friend the next season. And then after that season, you it's the third year out. The year after that's going to be Olympic qualification. So you're kind of like, OK, now I got to fi- find a partner. I got to figure out how I'm going to get in a good spot to qualify. So it starts to get a little serious. And then this past season was was a grind.
0: Yeah. And talking about finding a partner, I know that you are with Alex Kleinman now. I remember reading an article where you had said you chose her because you saw the greatest potential in that pairing as opposed to playing it safe with someone who maybe could promise something maybe that wasn't as great.
1: Yeah. And sitting here now, we've, you know, done so much and it's obvious that Alex is, you know, going to she is a great player. She's going to continue to be a great player. But that was a really scary time. In my career to be honest because i had broken up with carrie i was playing with lauren fendrick who's an amazing player but she she was starting a family and like i knew that wasn't gonna be my olympic partner i'm like who am i gonna play with like i want to go and i want to win a gold medal like there has like i have that has to be my mindset when i'm choosing who to play with i didn't want to just pick somebody i could do okay with or that i wasn't going to mesh well with, you know, right. like I didn't want to have to drag somebody. Well, that's
0: so important. I mean, with beach volleyball, you are choosing someone to be 50% of your squad that you're going to rely on at all times. I mean, you can't escape that. It's you two touching every single ball.
1: Yeah. The and, you're, and you're together like 24-7 when mm-hmm. you're traveling. Yeah. So... It's it's really important, and I've been really lucky. And I feel like because I've been really lucky, I have this really high standard for partners. Mm-hmm. Jen was great. Carrie was, I learned so much from. And they all carried their own weight, you know? And they all pushed me, and I felt like I could push them, and we made each other better.
0: But do you think you have a high standard for partners because you know what you will bring to the table?
1: That's not really, like, the way I've thought about it. Uh-huh. It's more like, I just want someone who's going to work as hard as I do. So, I don't know if that's saying that in a different way.
0: (laughs) Kind of the same. Like, you know how hard you're going to work, so match me. Yeah.
1: Like, I just... I think that's my number one thing is if I'm going to work this hard, I can't watch you work less hard than that. Um, and And I feel like I know kind of... I mean, I know at least what it takes to make it to the Olympics and to do well at the Olympics. And it's literally giving everything you have every day and it's not waiting until, you know, the last minute to start. And I've been really, really impressed with how Alex has put everything into every day. And and that's one of the things I talked to her about. You know, I didn't I needed to sit down with her and ask her, like, what's your mentality? And you know, this is how I work. And this is, you know, that these are the things that I feel like we need to do. And these are the things I feel like you need to do because you're, you know, she was one year in. Yeah. And she was really receptive to everything. And you could just tell by the way she was answering my questions that she really believed in it. I didn't feel that way with everybody I talked to. So I just, you know, I saw potential there.
0: And you briefly just mentioned you have to work super hard. It's not waiting to the last minute. It is, you know, we want to be the best in the world. What is that training and that life balance like? Because when I was younger, I used to think, you know, I have to go longer than anyone else. I have to go every single day. Like I had all these ideas of what it meant to be great. And obviously I'm not at your level. I don't compete for the Olympics. Is that what it takes? Is there a balance like mentally having to know what your bodily limits are? Or walk away from practice and say, I did do enough today?
1: I think there's value in competing with the people you're competing with, you know, like and and whether it's a mental edge or an actual physical edge, I'm not sure. But to feel like I'm putting in more time than the team next to me, like I then you get to a match and you feel like I deserve to win more than they do. And I think that's a really important mental edge to have. So. I don't know exactly what everybody else is doing, but I know what I'm capable of doing. And I want to be kind of right at the top of that, pushing that limit, you know, more and more because I don't I don't want to overtrain and I don't want to hurt my body. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's smart. And I don't think I do that. But I have before played with the idea of like training smarter, not harder. And I don't feel like that worked as well for me. Interesting. Yeah. And, And I think it can work for other people, you know, like everyone has a different mentality and some people want to just feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, I want to get into the weight room and I want to increase my maxes and I want to increase my conditioning and push my heart rate. And I feel like that goes a long way in transitioning to competition and how I feel on the court. And so I've experimented with all these things and I can't emphasize enough that it's different for everyone because I know like Alex can't train this like she we talked and she's like, Yeah, okay, I'm in the weight room. I'm gonna get really strong. And that's what she started to do. And her body wouldn't allow her to do that. And so she has a much
0: different program. So she just what, became more sore, couldn't be as energetic in practice she's, kind of Well, thing.
1: she's six five, so she's very lanky. And so putting a heavy barbell on her back uh is not healthy and it hurt her, you know, her back started to hurt, her joints started mm-hmm. to hurt, just the physics of her squatting, her hips don't let her do mm-hmm. the those things. And so she just can't do a lot of the things I can do just because of how she's built. And so now our strength coach has her doing a bunch of different things and finding a way to be strong in her own way. And and I fully believe in that, too, you know.
0: So given the decades you've spent being the best, I mean, you were the best in indoor, you were best in high school Gatorade player, you're best in indoor, best in beach volleyball. Do you feel like with all of this time you spent now, you know exactly the way like April Ross needs to train to be her best? Or are you still learning that?
1: I think I do. And and that's something that I advocate a lot. Also, I think everyone inherently knows based on where they are in time, what they need to do to be better or be their best. You think just deep down, we all know that. Yeah. I think you don't need anyone to tell you what you need to do to be your best and maximize your potential. I think if you're really passionate about something, you do the research, you learn what you need to learn, mm-hmm. you you just get really curious about it, and then you listen to yourself, you listen to your body, and I just believe you can put a plan in place. It's like, you know, I think you might be able to relate. Like, I don't know what your ultimate goal is, but, you, you know, like, if I want to be a news anchor or mm-hmm. something, you know, like, I should, you know, just cold call this person right. and talk to them, and that's really intimidating, but like, okay, that's going to help me, whether... It, like it'll get the ball rolling and it'll get momentum going and so for me it's like I know based on all my experience and just what I feel like do this and this and this and it's really hard to go do those things for me even mm-hmm. but I know like with the Olympics on the horizon I'm like definitely going to do it it's almost like a to-do list and I check it off What's an
0: example of one of those things?
1: conditioning every day. I hate conditioning so much. Um, (laughs)
0: You've heard it here. Olympians (laughs) hate conditioning. I hate it. I hate
1: sprints in the sand. There's we have this treadmill called a curve. I don't know. I've
0: seen those. Oh, my gosh. It's the hardest
1: thing ever. I I did it today this morning.
0: Sand is an animal like you have to be just athletic and in enough shape. And then let's add the skill of playing volleyball, right? I mean, it's...
1: Yeah, it's so hard. And especially out here in Hermosa, Manhattan, deepest sand in the world. And to run in that is just brutal. But
0: you told me walking in the building today, I want to be in the best shape of my life for Tokyo. Yeah. So... And
1: I don't feel like I've been there yet. I feel like I was in really good shape for Rio, but I feel like I can So what
0: gets you motivated during those conditioning workouts that you despise? That, that concept of being in the best shape of my life?
1: Um, Winning? To be honest, I, I do a lot of visualization and it just happens kind of naturally. You know, like when I get fatigued and I want to stop, it's like I picture myself on the top of that podium and, and that's enough to kind of get me motivated. I also use, you know, some pretty heavy-duty music <laughs> that gets me fired up. But yeah, it's it's all about picturing myself on the top of the podium in, in Tokyo.
0: And aside from your physical determination, I really think your mindset and your just approach to life in general has worked extremely in your favor and been super beneficial. And I think at the end of the day, being an athlete that has really defined how they want to approach challenge and failure in their life is what's going to propel them. And you emphasize growth all the time. I mean, it's in your captions it's on your blog. I love yeah. it. It's always, how am I growing? How am I learning? And I, uh, Was there a loss or was there a moment where you really realized that, you know, that positive mindset of finding a silver lining and and growing from uncomfortability was going to work for you?
1: Yeah, I think. Growth kind of evolved from my life perspective when I was younger Um, in high school, we had somebody come talk to us. He was the head coach of Punahou in Hawaii, and okay. a good friend with the coach um, at my high school. And like, I, I don't know what he he teaches something. He might, I don't know what it is, but he um, speaks to teams about reframing. I think I mentioned that already. And just, I think we were going into playoffs, and our coach had him come talk to us about, okay, you know, like if something that you, can, you could easily see as negative happens. Like, how are you going to reframe that into something that's positive and that you can use to your advantage? And that lesson has always stuck with me. So that's been a huge thing that's carried throughout my life. Um, and then I think another thing is experiencing the loss of my mom when I was younger and I actually at SC. And it was just, you know, kind of a wake up call. Like, life is short you don't get another chance. So you might as well go out and do everything you can possibly do. And I think it's I, and I've I've built on that. So I think to ever say no to something out of fear is a wasted opportunity. So, and that's the fear is what makes it uncomfortable, you mm-hmm. know. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Like if if you're presented with a really intimidating opportunity, it's tempting to kind of say, I'm not ready for that. Like, no, but if you're going to maximize this life and it's a good opportunity, like regardless of whether you have doubts or you fear you're not good enough or whatever, like I think it's just so important to say yes and put yourself out there and like see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, then you go back to the reframing thing and you're like, what can I learn from this? You know, like I tried. I showed up for myself. I'm really proud of that what can I learn from this experience? So when I have another opportunity, I'm going to do better.
0: And this concept of being uncomfortable, I think so many humans in general, athletes as well, like they shy away from it, right? I want to be the best on my team. I don't want to go to this team where I know the coach is going to favor this. I don't want to play in this tournament. And I think people shy away from uncomfortable situations when really that is where you figure out who you are.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I've experienced that so much in my life. I think even partnering with Carrie after London, I was like, I don't, you know, everyone else was telling me, you're, yeah, like that, it's a no brainer. But in my head, I'm like, I don't know if I'm good enough to play with Carrie, you know, like, and I just got a silver medal at the Olympics. So, wow. At that point, you know, like everybody experiences it and it wasn't, the easy route for sure. You know, like there was a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure, but I knew that it was going to make me better. It was going to be the thing that set me up for the most success. And so, of course, I said yes, but it wasn't like just seamless.
0: That's so interesting that you had just be- meddled second in the world. And yeah. you're now saying, am I even good enough for the situation? People would think you would never have doubts of, of your abilities after that moment.
1: Yeah. and I, And I totally get that. And I, you know, Theoretically, probably shouldn't. But I I mean, nobody is without doubt in themselves, you know, and I think the reframing thing, like I think a little bit of doubt is okay as long as you can think about it the right way. You know, like you use it to drive you to be better and figure out how to overcome those doubts. I mean, if you don't have doubts and you just think you're the greatest thing in the world all the time, like you're Mm going to fall off the cliff at some point. You have to have a reality check. But
0: so would reframing that doubt with Carrie be Something like this in your head. Oh, I'm not. I'm. Am I. might am am I not be good enough to play with Carrie. But then the reframe is, what a great challenge to see if I am good enough to play with exactly. Carrie. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm gonna get better. Like you know, you're gonna get better. I'm not gonna get better if I play with somebody, that is safe. You know, if I don't challenge myself.
0: And the thing that lies on that other side of fear and that that failure, or if it doesn't work out, is. This concept that I honestly learned for the first time when I was reading your blog, it said it was this idea of unconditional self-love, that if I do fail in this situation or if I do something really uncomfortable and really fearful and it doesn't work out for me, I'll be fine. Yeah. I know I'm going to be there for myself if it doesn't work out. And I think that having your back going into something uncomfortable is the foundation.
1: Uh, yeah, 100 percent. I think I I I. I... Started to do this on my own. And a lot of people think you need to really hate losing to win. And I didn't like, like, I I was like that for a while, you know, like I feared losing and it kind of ruled me, especially at USC. I went into every match thinking we were going to lose and was so nervous. And I'm like, I don't. Because you guys
0: were so undefeated and so idolized and all that. Yeah.
1: And just there's you're young and you have doubts and there's so much pressure and are you going to live up to it? And I was just, yeah, very very fearful. You start to think like, what's the point of this? What's the point of going in fearful of losing? Like, that's not going to help me win. And so I thought, you know, if I'm okay with losing, like worst case scenario, it sets me up to be freer when I'm out there and play harder and I don't have to worry about the consequences and I can, you know, really strive to be my greatest. And yeah, if I lose, it sucks. But life goes on and, you know, you have to be grounded in what really matters, which
0: is, in my mind, like your family, your health, your friends. I'm so glad you brought that up because so many athletes don't think it's okay to have a plan B or think losing is okay, right? It's just this culture of when I win the tournament, right? Not like a, if I win, we're going to do this like when I win. You know, people don't think it's okay to think that they could lose. They they feel like that might be... I don't know, negative thinking or not believing in themselves. When I fully believe, and it sounds like you do too, that saying anything could happen or I might lose or I might win allows you to not have as much pressure weighing on your back.
1: Yeah, totally. If you don't have a plan B, you start to panic and you start to freak out. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with a plan B. Even if you're like, hey, I really want to be a professional beach volleyball player, but if it doesn't work out, let me get, a good degree in college mm-hmm. so that I can go do something else. Like, right. it's just smart. And I think if you ignore reality and anything can happen, you know, if you ignore reality, that's dumb.
0: Yeah. If anything, I think having that security mentally opens you up to get that plan A as opposed to just not acknowledging any sort of other lifestyle.
1: I think it's a it's a fine line. You have to really want it. You know, mm-hmm.
0: you can't you really want plan A
1: you have to really want plan A and it has to be a way, like you said, to free yourself to go after it. If you're indifferent to plan A and then you use it as a reason to slack off, that's completely Mm -hmm. different. So, yeah, I think it starts with a really big drive and motivation to get plan A. But then you create a little bit of a detachment, which I think is healthy. You know, you can't hold on too tight or you're
0: going to strangle it definitely but also there's this confidence and I could just tell from talking to you today it's you know if you want something like are you going to get it done are you gonna make it happen and a lot of people I'm sure like direct message you or do this there. how do I become this how do I win this it's like it's not it's not that like go what do you think would be the yeah. first step you know yeah train yeah Hi. call the coach you know it's just people want something an answer or a formula given to them they want people to say here's a b and c and this will get you d
1: Yeah, they want it to be kind of easy, like you said, and and laid out. And people ask me, I think the number one question I get is, how do I increase my vertical? And it's like, (laughs) I don't don't know. You know, like I know how to increase my vertical because I've asked people and I've, you know, worked with strength coaches and I've done what I need to do to increase my vertical. Like, I don't I don't know how to help you. I know that you know how to help yourself Mm -hmm. if you like really sat down and thought about it.
0: Definitely. But back to this topic of unconditional self-love. I want to talk about the obvious beach volleyball players are in bikinis. You are like so exposed. I mean, I never played beach volleyball at a competitive level. I thought about it for my senior year. I thought about it doing a a grad year, but I didn't want to. I had a lot of opportunities, fortunately, with like speaking and stuff. And so that NCAA contract, I just couldn't sign it because, you know, I
1: listened to your uh, last podcast. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's just I I couldn't guarantee I would have the opportunities a year from now Mm -hmm. when the ball was ready to roll. So I didn't. But one of the big things I literally would contemplate was I could barely play in spandex and a tight t-shirt. So I would have to be out there literally in a bikini. I mean, was that something that is is ever on your mind?
1: That um, is often in my mind. And even when I played indoor, like you said, I always we had to do fat testing in front of, you know, the football team and the weight room and um, me and another girl were always just at the top of the percentage charts. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it it is just personal, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like, okay, everybody needs to have 13% body fat to be good. It's like, well, I, my genes, I carry around a little extra fat, which is fine, but there's this conception that you're fat if you're not, you know, a lower, if you're not, you know, the same percentage body fat as everybody else Mm -hmm. or what's considered normal. And I felt that, you know, and it made me feel bad about my body. And I really had to work through that. And I did, you know, I was really cognizant about trying to keep it down, through healthy eating and healthy habits, I never starved myself and I thankfully never let any kind of shaming get to me. That's good. Yeah, like I I've, I've I feel like I've always had pretty thick thin uh skin, which not I I know a lot of girls who played volleyball don't mm-hmm. and, you know, have have suffered consequences. Did you have siblings? I had
0: a younger sister. Oh, okay. I would say my brothers gave me my thick skin. I mean, every name in the book, I heard it by twelve.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just it's hard because if, if you if you're getting this messaging that you you are too big, but that's your natural body type. Right. Like it I don't know if coaches understand the effect they have on some of their play affairs. Mm-hmm. And I've you know, I now know a ton of through beach volleyball a ton of other Girls who played indoor college and dealt with the same stuff and and didn't handle it as well as as I luckily did, but yeah. So um, I felt that and wanted to make sure that I was being healthy, and then whatever happened by through being healthy and whatever my body type was, like that's what it was going to be. And but when I did get out onto the beach and I had to wear a bikini, it was even more obvious. Luckily when I started playing with Jen, she had a similar body type and we just kind of bonded over it. And you really have to deal with it. There's nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. You're out there, there's photographers, they're on TV and you like if you're gonna see those images and photography of girls in bikinis playing sports and diving and bending it is just not forgiving at all. I'd so much rather be on TV than well. It's also be photographed the only playing. time we
0: see women photographed in bikinis is like on a Sports Illustrated cover. Yeah, competing. I mean, your priority isn't how you look, whereas maybe the model's priority is how they and appearance.
1: how they prepare for their job is very different for how than how I prepare for my job. You right. know, I'm lifting weights. I want big muscles, and if you have big muscles, your fat sticks out a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. You know, which is totally fine. But it looks different in photographs, and I don't have time to pose and, like, <laughs> yeah. figure out which lighting is best. I for the ball, yeah. I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah, so... Uh, so how do you
0: handle some of those games or those days where it's maybe on your conscious a little bit more? You,
1: I've I've had to work really, really hard at shutting out other people's opinions. There's... I th- I, it used to be called Volley Talk. I think there's, oh, like, it's those still there. forums it's, and... Oh, it's still there.
0: They still do that. They uh, yeah. just sit there and they hate on these like 18 old girls. And it's anonymous, girls. and they're so yeah. mean, yeah. and
1: so many comments about like if you're overweight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jen would look at some of those things sometimes, and like tell me not. I mean, just general general stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm never searching. I'm never ever gonna search for any of that right. stuff. Number one. And then if someone says something or I hear something, you know, I just I have to let it roll off my back, you know, because mm-hmm. at the at the at the baseline, I am so thankful for my body, that it's healthy, that it works for me. It is my entire career, you know, and so that's what I just try to focus on. Right.
0: It's a perspective. And I think as female athletes, we see on social media and we get caught up in how maybe everyone who's considered a beautiful woman looks to society. And so then we take for granted the fact that like, whoa, my legs are the reason that I'm one of 16 girls on this volleyball team. Or, you know, my legs are the reason I'm actually able to contribute on the court. Yeah. And, and it took me like two years to realize that. That was fast. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> it took me a lot longer to yeah. really shift my perspective and think of my body that way. And I feel like I'm now at a point where it's just natural. And I, I it's a fine line, too, you know, like we're saying, I want to be in the best shape of my life for performance reasons. And so I have to be on it and I have to know when my body fat is up and when it's down and how I perform the best. And so, but it has to come from me. You know, I can't, I can't let anyone else have input on it.
0: Right. And I just had on an amazing, I wouldn't call her a dietitian, but like a food guru. And she was saying, if you're eating or exercising for a purpose of something good, right. To be an Olympic medalist, to be the best athlete you can be, as opposed to, doing those things for aesthetic purposes or purposes against yourself. There's a big difference. So when you want to change the body fat percentage because you realize maybe your best performance is around a certain number, that's different than I just don't like the way I appear and I have to get to this number because that's what people told me to get to.
1: Yeah. And I do think some girls get caught up in that even playing sports, you know, like they want to have the abs and they want to be thin and lean. And it's like, I actually, I hurt my quad this past summer and I I couldn't lift heavy as I wanted and I slimmed down a lot and I got so many compliments about how I looked and Mm. like, you look great, what are you doing? And I just, I didn't want to tell anyone about my injury but I wanted to be like, I can't lift, I'm weak. Like, I don't feel great out on the court. Like, it's not a good thing that I'm thin. And so I think to not get caught up in looking stereotypically how you're supposed to look as a beach volleyball athlete is really important because you can look really thin and and lean and not be strong as you need to be to play our sport mm-hmm. so it's that's so
0: interesting I never make comments anymore on anyone's body like oh good or I bad. mean I mean just because you never know how someone's gonna take it well you're living under a rock
1: if you think that you can comment on people's body you know <laughs> yeah. it's like where are you guys coming from yeah it? like where do you I don't understand why anyone feels like they can do that
0: uh yeah I gotta talk about this into my talks I got a comment on myself looking lean when I was 12 when I was 12 I said what's lean and the person said oh it means you're you look thin And I and at 12, I realized looking thinner means good compliments and Mm -hmm. means I'm liked. And yeah, you can't do that. No one can
1: do that. Yeah. But
0: I'm really glad that it sounds like you're very confident in what what's going to make you perform the best and how you feel about yourself and that you've kind of quieted the outside noise.
1: Yeah. And it's hard in this profession, you know, like there's so many people watching our sport and Mm -hmm. so many and we're so accessible and people feel like they can give us advice and I just had somebody, I don't know if you saw my story, but somebody felt like they needed to- Oh, I saw that. Give me- <laughs> Tell a, you to do
0: Turkish lifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to like give
1: me, tell me what I should be doing in the weight room. And I'm like, I've lifted for 23 years yeah. of my life. Just send back a picture of your medals. <laughs> I know. Like, why do you think that you need to tell me this? Would you tell LeBron James that he should be doing Turkish get-ups? Like, probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, why? I don't get it. I mean, I do get it, but- yeah. It needs to change.
0: I agree. Yeah. On the topic though of outside voices and society's perspective, you've talked about something really cool which is when you for lack of a better term, you know, I don't want to say came up short, but you didn't win gold, right? You yeah. did bronze, uh, and then silver. Mm-hmm. Um you said that you had received numerous texts that were similar to I'm so sorry April, you have worked so hard but be proud of your silver medal or, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry next year. And this it was this negative connotation of if you are not a gold medalist, you yeah. have somewhat failed. And you didn't agree with that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a bigger kind of problem in our culture as a whole in the United States. You know, like if you're not the best, people get so discouraged and they think they're not good enough to even try if they can't, you know, be number one. And it prevents so many people from going after so many dreams, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so the same thing works is at the Olympics, you know, like, oh, you didn't win gold. I'm, I'm you know, that sucks. And I'm like, I won a freaking Olympic medal, you yeah. know, in my wildest dreams. I never thought that was going to happen, you know, and like how, how few people have Olympic medals, right. you know, and especially in a sport where you can only win one per game her games, you know. Mm -hmm. And I I actually same kind of deal. I had to coach Jen through it in London when we got the silver and she was so upset. And I'm like, the game is over. We're about to go into the Olympic ceremony, like medal ceremony, and we're going to get a silver medal. We're going to be standing on the podium like you need to appreciate this, like you need to. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me, too. You know, like there was a little bit of like Because you are so close,
0: you're so close. At that level, anyone could win gold. Eye on it, right? I mean, at least the top three teams, like yeah. I mean, wasn't
1: yeah? It's especially yeah. I
0: mean, it depends on the year, but totally. Um, but you, I I at least mean that by saying you know you could have won gold, which is why it stings even more. It stings, yeah. And you can let it sting, but I mean,
1: it's such a huge deal, and I just for people to say that, I'm like, what are you? I feel kind of bad for them. Like, how are you talking to yourself if you think that a silver medal is not, you know? Like, right. I can't imagine how much you berate yourself for sitting on the couch and watching the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's just this culture we kind of live in right now is, you know, well, did you get into the best school? Do you have a 4.0? Do you have this many followers? Like, and are oh you goodness. the MVP on your team? Are you a first-team All-American or a second-team All-American? You know, it's such a honorable mention or, you know... And, and it has
1: to has to correlate to, you know, the rising levels of anxiety and depression and totally. all that stuff, you know? And I just think, I don't know where we start, but accepting ourselves for whatever it is we accomplish. I'm tuning out those voices, but also accepting the person next to you for what they bring to the table, you know? And
0: having your metric of success be on the hard work you've put in as opposed to the results you get.
1: yeah. That that was hu- that was huge for me growing up. My dad was my uh, basketball coach and my soccer coach. So all the like sports I played when I was super young and his whole messaging was, you know, I don't care how you do. You go out there, you work as hard as you can and whatever happens, happens like I'll be proud of you. Like that mm-hmm. was over and over. And then I got into volleyball and it didn't matter like how what level I got to it was always just about how hard you worked. And if he didn't think I worked hard, that's when I kind of got a talking to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that has to be a bigger, a measurement that's used more often for for people. But I also don't think I'm not a huge, um, I don't love the participation trophies, you know. I think right. there needs
0: to for be. Sure. You
1: need to lose. Yeah, you, there needs to be, a, you need to learn how to compete, how to work with a team to win. Definitely. But kind of full circle like it has to be okay to lose
0: but I think and you can be proud of a loss like who beat me Um, yeah what what kind of game was it I'm you know
1: yeah and what did like did I play well or Mm -hmm. did I play better than a past performance like there's so much good stuff you can take from it too
0: did you have any icons that you looked up to that you thought were great and what was What did what was greatness to you and what did you aspire to become? Because everyone has these varying definitions of what being great is.
1: So I never really had any idols necessarily that I looked up to. It was kind of just like this journey that my parents and I were on and my dad was super involved and my mom was super supportive and it was just kind of like be the best you can be. And that's always been Kind of my ma- mantra is I'll be proud if I think that I'm becoming the best that I can be, regardless of where that where that lies. And so that's always been my biggest motivation. As I got older, I just appreciate high level sports in general. You know, like sometimes when I'm doing conditioning at the gym, if there's a football, a pro football game on, I'm just a, like, dude, that guy's so fast. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be like that. Um so I find inspiration in a lot of high-level athletes, but I don't think anyone specifically.
0: So how would you define greatness?
1: Greatness is, is doing what you know you need to do or should do to be the best version of yourself. And I think looking at it in a holistic wellness package, you know, like, am I being nice to myself? Am I feeding myself good food? Am I saying yes to these opportunities? Am I, you know, motivating myself to get off the couch and go sweat? And am I treating myself how I should be treating myself so that I can go out and maximize my my potential?
0: And that inner dialogue and how we treat ourselves as athletes directly correlates, I think, to how well you do. I mean, if you are rooting for yourself, if you're doing and acknowledging your weaknesses and we have to get better at it, Part of that, I think, is mental health, and you recently wrote a blog post on this uh, that I loved. That was great, by the way. Oh, I mean, it was thanks. commemorating someone you knew as well as sharing some of your insight on just the topic of mental health and athletics, but speaking of this idea of how we treat ourselves, you mentioned this concept of um, when we want to have a genuine, authentic life, it's by building connections and that connection can even be with yourself and like the way we talk to ourselves. And you kind of alluded to this idea of like being better at that yourself.
1: Yeah. I think number one, you have to be great friends with yourself and you have to be really connected to yourself. And I've, I've read a couple of things about even dating yourself, you know, like Mm. taking yourself out to dinner, which (laughs) I did all the time. Like I still do all the time. I love that. Dating yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And like really sitting with your thoughts and understanding how you think and you know it's it's a it's a focus you know it's a practice you have to correct yourself if you're talking to yourself negatively but being aware of your thoughts number one so you have to sit with yourself and really accept yourself because then if you accept yourself it's easier and you're authentically you and you know what that is then you can go out and you can form authentic connections with other people and you can be real with other people and that forms true bonds and there's been you know so many studies about um, how having a network and a community is—I mean, almost number one for for your health. And so, but I think it all starts. You know, they with...
0: recently said that the lo- loneliness can increase, like the sooner you will die. Oh yeah, and no, yeah. it was a real study in—I think Time. I read it. It was
1: yeah, wild. There, yeah. There's. Oh, my um... God, I gotta
0: get some friends. Shoot. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, it's honestly sh-
1: uh, it's shifted my perspective, you know, because I've been so focused on. Being successful, like it it matters a lot to me to be to do well in volleyball. Like, I just love it. I love the culture. I love the challenge. And I'm so focused on it. It takes a, a large part of my life. And I don't know if you can relate, but just being a volleyball player, you play all year round. Um, you're not home for holidays. You're not around for like we play over the summer, so I've missed so many weddings, and it's kind of like when season starts, I put all my friend I used to put all my friendships on hold, and hopefully pick them up, you know, in six months. And it's like that. I need to shift my focus. I need to not do it so much that it's going to be a huge detriment so to So find volleyball. more of a balance. But saying? yeah, I needed to to find a much bigger balance because because it is such an important part to your health, you know, and your mental well being, and so. it's been hard for me, but I've tried to, you know, maintain those friendships throughout playing because, and then I also got to the point where I'm like, I'm 37. Like, I can't wait forever to, you know, hang out with my family and and form a community.
0: It is hard though, when you are on a life mission that few people could ever relate to. I mean, you are going to accomplish something that I don't even know what's the percentage. I don't know. Less than point something percent of people ever accomplished. So it must even be hard to form connections and relationships where people can even fathom like what every day like your work ethic and what you are working for.
1: Yeah, it's I, I'm friends with a lot of athletes. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they have to they it has you have they have to understand what I'm trying to do, mm. you know, so that they can not get mad if I can't come to their wedding, which has happened so many times. Um, and, and then we have get togethers and it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, drink as much because Mm -hmm. I'm training for this. And you can get, you know, peer pressured if people don't understand like where it's coming from.
0: Do you feel like you found that balance now?
1: I, well, it's off season now and I feel like I'm in a pretty good balance at the moment. I have to work really hard. And I feel, but I feel like I'm super busy all the time, you Mm -hmm. know, like going, but it's worth it. Um, to kind of revive those friendships when I have time. Um, I think this year is really hard. So instead of it being like an all the time, every year, every season thing, I think this year, 2016 was pretty gnarly. And I think going into 2020, I'm going to have to really put the blinders on. But
0: I'm going to participate, you know? When you make those sacrifices, like I can't be at your baby's birthday. You know, it's yeah. really hard. Do parts of you, you know wish that they could? Or are you so zoned in on this goal that you don't think twice about the sacrifice?
1: The older I've gotten, the more those sacrifices sting a little bit. But when I was younger and so zoned in on what I wanted to do, it didn't matter. But I've lost, you know, friendships over the years that I wish I had maintained, maintained. Um, So I'm kind of making up for lost time now. But yeah, when I was younger, it was just, I don't know if it was good or bad. It's worked out for me in the Mm -hmm. long run, but it's kind of like I didn't think about a lot of other people's feelings when I was going after what I wanted.
0: Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, there's only so many things that you can have on your plate at one time. And it it really
1: takes everything. You know, like it's it's a really, like you said, it's a really hard thing to do. And it's a full-time job. Like I left my house at 6 a.m. this morning. This is off season. Left my house at 6 a.m. this morning. And I'm not going to, be home done with stuff until like 9 p.m., you Mm -hmm. know? And so it's hard to find room in there to create balance in your life.
0: Definitely. The important part of that is self-awareness. And I think you are really self-aware about what balance you don't have or what maybe needs to be better. And you can have this conversation with yourself. And you did mention that at one point you did go see a psychologist to sort of talk through some things. And what was it that helped you realize I would appreciate outside perspective and figuring some stuff out.
1: Well that I went to therapy at a really tough time in my personal life. It wasn't for volleyball. I have a mental coach for that that I see a lot, but which is Nicole Davis. But I just felt like I was carrying around a lot and it was I didn't know if I was making the right decisions and I it was just pretty heavy and I didn't feel like I could lay it on anybody friend wise or uh, family wise and so just to go in and like get it off my chest it it feels like a very safe space and just to talk to someone and feel it's feel like you can say whatever you need to say and then have them i mean they're trained to kind of facilitate mm-hmm. your healing in that way like it was it was really therapeutic and i want i don't right now but i want to use that as a you know to maintain mental health, you know, like I don't want to wait till I'm, you know, falling apart at the seams to go in. Right. I really want to use it as a tool to maintain my mental
0: health going forward. And I feel like, and this sounds what you were saying as well for me, after experiencing depression, I honestly believe that I didn't have the tools to be aware of my thoughts to self correct and keep me on a path. So I am, I like to imagine me walking down this path, which basically has all these roads to like depressive thoughts, darkness, sadness, anxiety. And I see those signs on the road. Maybe it's a thought or it's something. And then I'm able to see it, think about how I want to handle it and keep walking straight. And I really think my freshman, sophomore year, I didn't have any guidance. I just would take the turns. And before I knew it, I I had to see someone to help get me back on path. But now, of course, I have thoughts that aren't the best. Of course, I have issues. But I feel like therapy and that self-awareness and that perspective has allowed me to to make the mental choice. Yeah. In that
1: way, you know, your brain is such a huge part. It's all of you, you know, and it's just it's hidden. And it's something that we haven't been focused on for so long. You know, like it's like, oh, my internal organs and everything you can see. And it's like your brain is just supposed to take care of itself. But it, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it can take you off course or it could be your biggest strength and you, but you have to have tools like you said, and you have to it practice assists, and you need to strengthen it. And that's a huge part of kind of what I'm doing now. And I think you have to brain train, you have to turn the TV off, you know, all that stuff you don't realize is, is snowballing and it's not good for you. And, you know, watching TV, you're going to see ads and, sitting on social media and following celebrities, you're going to compare yourself to all these people and it starts to lead you down a path that's not good. But if you have these tools and you know what's not good for you and you can, you know, correct your habits, that's
0: huge. As an athlete going to therapy, did you have any hesitations about that? Or did you feel pretty, pretty good about making that choice?
1: Well, for me, it was a. To the point where it's like, I need I just need to, like, talk to somebody. And um, I didn't know who to call. My sister was like, I know someone who is somebody like, let me call them and schedule an appointment for you. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, just do that. And that was that was the hardest part. And then I walked in and um, it was it was great and scheduled, you know, a bunch more. But I think therapy for me at that point in my life, it was like I felt Like I was doing all these bad things and like for myself, it's hard to describe. But just to have somebody there that was like, no, this is why you feel this way. It's not wrong to feel this way. Like you're not a bad person to feel like this. You know, you're you're it was validation for me and how I felt and that it was okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so from that spot, I could feel better about myself and kind of grow from there.
0: Totally. Yeah. You know, we always. I don't, I don't deserve to feel this way. I have an Olympic medal. I have this, like, why do I feel this way? But it's, we're so valid in the things we experience because no one knows what it's like to be us.
1: Yeah. And then you don't realize what from your past has led you to feel this way Mm -hmm. too. You know, and that was a huge thing for me.
0: That did really hurt me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like (laughs) I was in tears. I went in for like a certain thing that I was trying to work on and he brings me all the way back to my childhood. And before I know it, I'm just in tears and like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that that could affect me like this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's all the rage kind of right now, like dealing with childhood
0: trauma, but right. it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. And then you go and then my mom's like, stop going. Like <laughs> oh. I was great. I'm like, yeah, yeah you were. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this with me today. I really appreciate it. And I guess I just want to finish with one last question, which would be, what is the greatest advice that you've ever been given that you would want to pass on to anyone listening who's hopeful at becoming their best self in whatever capacity that is
1: yeah I I think the best advice I've kind of been given which encapsulates I think everything I feel is it was pertaining to volleyball but play with people better than you because that's always intimidating and you have all those doubts but you have it's an opportunity to get better so you say yes to that that was something I was forced into when I was younger I um And it is the thing I am maybe most thankful for being put on like a team that I didn't feel like I deserved to be on. But Mm -hmm. I got so much better. And I think you can apply that to life anywhere. You know, like being in company that's going to make you better and finding ways to hang out with people that are going to teach you things, push push you, you. Yeah. And just don't let the intimidation affect you. Like go in and fake it till you make it. It's a real thing. Love it. You've
0: heard it here first from Olympian April Ross. Best of luck to you on the rest of your pursuit. Thank you I appreciate your time today. upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.